0: Hello! Welcome to First Time with BTS. I'm Natalie. And I'm Yadi. And for this episode, we will be examining, as the title suggests, the Wings era.
1: As a concept, Wings is quite multifaceted. It's delivered across a variety of media, including teaser photos, music videos, the Wings concept book, and of course, the album.
0: We chose Wings as an era to spend time with because of its undeniable significance and importance to BTS's career. The album performed well on the charts, serving as the first instance where a BTS album outperformed all other boy group releases. We have a cool visual for this. Keep an eye out for it on our Twitter and Instagram pages.
1: BTS themselves received the Artist of the Year award at MAMA, the same year that Wings was released. They also received the following awards in 2016. First up, we have the Album of the Year award at the Soul Music Awards. And then, again, Album of the Year at the Gown Chart Music Awards. One More Time Album <laughs> of the Year for the HYYH Young Forever Series at the Melon Music Awards. It's the day set. Mm-hmm. And then they won Best Dance Performance for a Male Group for Blood Sweat and Tears at Mama.
0: Basically, Wings kicked off a big moment and turning point for the group. After writing out the success of their Most Beautiful Moment in Life promotions, Wings successfully propelled them to a wider and more global audience. During this time, BTS filmed their first docu-series, Burn the Stage, which was streamed on YouTube Red, a major global platform. So obviously we're not alone in thinking that this was a huge moment in their career.
1: For us, witnessing Wings was like witnessing a leveling up for BTS. They started wearing designer, the concept photos were more expensive and elaborate, I think the boys themselves have joked about mm-hmm. this. It was Namjoon during the Army Armypedia special who said that the Wings era was when they started having money. Yep.
0: <laughs> we joke that it's kind of like they went from paupers to lords or like... Young lords poised to inherit their father's land,
1: or even like young noble ladies on the brink of a highly anticipated debut
0: into society. <laughs> <laughs> um, or perhaps all of the above. yeah, yeah <laughs> this leveling up could also be seen thematically in the concepts. We got the impression that Big Hit invested in more brain power for this comeback. It seems like Bang PD said, it's time to use my degree in aesthetics and assembled a team of individuals for the sole purpose of expanding on a variety of intellectual concepts. That was
1: a really good Bang PD impression, by Thank the way. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> we're close friends.
0: Yeah, I can tell. I can tell. <laughs> You can see this in the fact that Wings is the only comeback from BTS to have its own concept book. We highly, highly recommend you guys check it out if you haven't yet, because it's incredibly informative and insightful. The book covers everything from the comeback trailers to the Wings tour.
1: Honestly, if I were to lead a class on BTS, this book would be number one on the syllabus. Oof, It's like a textbook, if you will. It's
0: just as expensive as a college book, too, so it works perfectly. <laughs> Touche. <laughs>
1: Here's a quote on the inception of Wings. Translated by Tumblr user KTV, also known as Rin. Somewhere in the middle of the Hua Yang Yun Hua series, or HYYH, the planning for Wing started as BTS looked back on what they felt could be called their best moment in life as it was passing. After that, producer Bang Shihuk met the manga Spiral, the Bonds of Reasoning, and constructed the outline. It was time for BTS to talk about the suffering and the choices a boy
0: has to face in the process of advancing forward and growing up. Despite introducing new themes, Wings ties together the school concept from previous albums quite gracefully. For them, it isn't just an introduction to a new era, but the natural progression towards adulthood.
1: Not only does Bang borrow from the manga we mentioned, but also, of course, from the Hermann Hesse book, Demian, a novel that eventually gets directly quoted in the Blood, Sweat & Tears music video and the comeback teasers. Demian is a coming-of-age story about a boy struggling to achieve self-awareness, Sound familiar?
0: Not that it would to us, because we haven't read the book! Wow, wait to (laughs) expose us. You know, there are book-reading armies, and then there are us. us. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We have read books in the (laughs) past. just not not these. Yeah, yeah. It's already Um, so hard to keep up with, like, BTS's Twitter page, to keep up with, like, their recommended readings. We're basically reading a book by reading their Twitter. It's true. Right.
1: Uh, We actually have another quote from the concept book in regards to
0: Damien and its relation to Wings. And finally, Damien. The stories in the book showed the world BTS had created so far and the journey to manhood. The boys realized the evil in reality. It's the reason the main theme of Wings is temptation and conflict. Like how they rejected the rules set by school and adults in the school trilogy. Like how they ran forward knowing they would get hurt in the Hua Yang, Yang Hua series. BTS once again knew the danger, yet still opened the door to meet the evil. From the question of Boy Meets What, the story of Wings began.
1: This Boy Meets What line was repeated throughout a few performances and music videos, mainly Fire and Save Me, leading to the Wings comeback. A series of teasers were released as well to transition into the new era. We've talked about these teasers a bunch before in our Most Beautiful Moment in Life episode, which is episode six. If you haven't uh, listened, this mm. is an opportunity. Uh, so we won't get into that again, but it's good to note that there is a relationship between the two eras, and the teasers are essentially what ties them
0: together. The concept book says, various traces of HYYH remain in the short films, but at the same time, the different sides of the members compared to the past implies the transition of BTS. This is the farewell to Hua Yang hwa the most melancholy era to both BTS and every fan. They witnessed the fissures of the world, which soon led to the awakening of their egos. It's time to step into the world of decadence and temptation. The boys remain as restless as ever.
1: This notion of temptation and general confrontation with evil essentially steers the tone of the visuals that come with this era. So let's start with
0: the comeback photos. We mentioned before that BTS start to wear more expensive clothes and appear in more elaborate sets, but the most apparent difference is probably the tone of the pictures. For the first time, the members of BTS appear not as angsty pretty boys, but as sensual, mysterious, and dare we say, sexy young men.
1: It seems like with the introduction of EVIL with a capital E, BTS set the grounds for dealing with darker and more adult themes, even if it still remained rather PG. There is a greater emphasis put on visual
0: details within these comeback photos, and there's a good reason why. According to a direct quote from the concept book, the process of visualizing temptation and adding in erotic elements was especially needed in order to portray an abstract world like wings. These erotic elements include the bedroom setting, which in turn includes bedroom clothing and bedroom eyes. <laughs> There's also hazy smoke, lollipops, and apples. And alongside these erotic symbols, there's an irrefutably imposing degree of decadence introduced in the sets for the photos and seen again in the Blood, Sweat, and Tears music video.
1: The Baroque architecture and abundance of paintings and sculpture from the old masters, books, and lavish furniture situates the members in a space of extreme culture and opulence, something that we could argue pushes idea of worldly temptations. This alone actually reminds me of picture of Dorian Gray, A book that I did read. I didn't. Thank you very much. (laughs) And it treats the idea of like exposure to literature and art causing corruption of the self. An idea that goes back to A Republic, a book by Plato.
0: Also didn't read.
1: And I did. Yay. (laughs) I told you, I do read some books. And in The Republic by Plato, he basically dedicates a whole chapter to talking about how artists are evil, because they merely only offer representations of reality
0: that people often confuse for reality. It's a good thing we're a team, because I didn't know any of that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The more you know Mm -hmm. with Yaddy.
0: Okay, it's time to address the elephant in the room. Well it's not like a big elephant but like a baby elephant or maybe it's not an elephant at all but like a colorful bird the size of a small elephant (laughs) yes oh my god we want to talk about homosexuality as a method of visualizing temptation the peacock in the room if you will but really bts use homosexuality as a mechanism for treating this issue of temptation which can be seen most explicitly in the Blood, Sweat & Tears music video, when Jin kisses the male statue that is clearly meant to represent Taehyung. And I say clearly because in cut between these shots of Jin approaching the male statue and kissing it are these shots of Taehyung alone in a room, and he reveals his shoulders, and you see that he has like clipped wings, and he looks at the camera, and there's obviously something very loaded happening it's like here. It's parallel editing. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And to a lesser extent, we can sense this homoerotic tension between Yungi and Jimin in the music video, with Yungi covering Jimin's eyes, putting a blindfold on him, etc.
1: And of course, we have to mention the MAMA 2016 stage, a stage so provocative, so evocative, that it is no longer available under the official Mnet YouTube channel. Oof. Let it, me tell you something. Yeah. <laughs> Explain what happens, Yadi. Yes. So it is available, but it's an edited version that's up. Yes. The cut version includes a sort of outro part of the performance where Jin and Young they walk to a different stage and Jin is kneeling down with Young behind him kneeling down and it's very sensual. I want to call it an incubus like interaction. <laughs> Young being the incubus. If you were there, you remember. If not, you missed it. Just kidding. There is a somebody uploaded the full version on YouTube. Thank God.
0: Yes, but it's crazy because on the Emna official YouTube channel, in the title of this video, it says it's the full version. Like, they explicitly made sure to lie (laughs) and say, by the way, this is all there is to see. Don't
1: go looking for anything else. (laughs) Please.
0: (laughs) Which is obviously a testament to the riskiness of that sort of outro to Blood, Sweat, and Tears during the performance.
1: Right, so we're gonna explore homoeroticism in a different episode, but we wanted to bring it up because this did happen, even though there's no mention of it in the concept book. In this way, they utilize homosexuality as a tool to push the idea set forth by the rest of the elements within this world.
0: Which is like, low-key bad, because then they're equating homosexuality with evil but um we're just gonna we're gonna move past it we're gonna move past it this is all to say that the use of visual symbols is something that is very focused and intentional something that the creators have openly admitted they even make sure to include an entire section on mise en scene in regards to the blood sweat and Sears music video
1: once again from the concept book from six months before the release producer bang shi and music video director loom
0: researched mise en scene So if you don't know, mise-en-scene is everything that is within the frame, including the sets, props, costuming, lighting, and movement. Excluded from this is everything involving the camera or how the shot is framed. A close-up shot, a panning shot, all of these things are not included in the mise-en-scene.
1: Thank you for putting your film degree to use. I mean, I gotta use it somewhere, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Another quote from the same section is, Through the change of vertical or horizontal composition, each scene was born as a different painting, and the music video becomes a kind of gallery with multiple object d'art. Meanwhile, the choreography acts as another splendid mise-en-scene, with Suga covering Jimin's eyes as the first movement of the performance. The music video for Blood, Sweat, and Tears
0: begins. And if you're not a fancy person, object d'art basically means fancy art thank you for using my art
1: history degree (laughs) but yeah well said concept book writers uh we love that the book offers all this insight that the creators thought to put this explanation together and offer it for sale it makes sense to me because these ideas are expensive they're well researched and carefully executed and it makes sense that the creators thought to compile a book that walks us through the vastness of the era and the research and intention behind it. Another reason why I said earlier that it takes the form of a sort of exhibition catalogue, the exhibition being, well, the whole comeback.
0: Uh, I also enjoy how the concept book is well written. It's almost as if they were telling a story at certain points as opposed to simply documenting the comeback. It's almost like a blurring between BTS as characters in the HYYH series and BTS as real people.
1: I also wanted to add that this type of narrative style of giving information through a sort of narrative is also something that's very common within exhibition catalogs. So I feel that the writers were really like trying to push this idea of the comeback being essentially art to talk about. Wow, that's
0: incredible. <laughs> <laughs> In the same vein as the music video, the comeback stages also portray these ideas of temptation and opulence through the use of elaborate sets, decadent clothing choices, and precise camera work.
1: Many of these live stages come with set design that could almost be taken straight from the music video. We are given stages with many chandeliers, statues, and similar baroque architecture. In some instances, specifically in the first M Countdown performance, these sets are complete with
0: intricate marble flooring. Even in stages where the design isn't as detailed, we're still provided with cool elements that help elevate the performance. I'm thinking of the Inkigayo stage, where BTS are literally elevated as the stage rises and reveals cascading water coming down the front.
1: That's so dramatic, but I do love that. Yeah,
0: it reminds me of like Phantom of the Opera. And I
1: was gonna say Moulin Rouge. (laughs) Oh my god, amazing, amazing. (laughs) In terms of styling, the outfits are fairly uniform across the board. The boys are dressed in material that can be easily associated with decadence. We get velvet jackets, satin shirts, silk pajamas, flowy white linen shirts with ruffled sleeves. You get the idea. These outfits are often complete with silk chokers and heavy eye makeup matched with light colored contacts, which was something relatively new for BTS at the time.
0: Yeah, they gave Taehyung blue eyes and blonde hair to make him look like a little German boy.
1: A little German vampire boy. Yep. Slash incubus. Yep. Yeah.
0: (laughs) We also have fun instances where we see BTS in clothing that they wore for the concept photos, such as in the Inkigayo performance where Yoongi wears the iconic, at least to me, multicolored sequin jacket.
1: It's iconic for me too.
0: I mean, those photos are beautiful. Yeah, I
1: think you get a handful of maybe half a million people around the world that would agree. Yeah, a (laughs) a small group. Give or take, give or take.
0: (laughs) I will say, though, my favorite stage for outfits would have to be the second M Countdown stage, where most members are wearing these silk pajamas that we see in the concept photos.
1: Yes. I also, I don't know if this is a little too explicit for our podcast, but- isn't that the performance where Jungkook? I, <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Let me it. let me go forward. I'll i do the honors. Uh, Jungkook admits to not having worn underwear for that performance. Yeah. And let me tell
0: you, you could tell. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, he he's an actor. He's dedicating himself to a role, to a theme, to a mood.
1: Yeah, I guess when you're wealthy during this type of era, you don't wear underwear. Yeah. It's something that <laughs> yeah. you method can acting. choose not to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, overall, these outfits make them look like literal princes, complete with pieces that evoke a different era, specifically the turn of the century, and
0: they look like dandies. Yep. And of course, the choreography is explicitly sexual throughout and aptly communicates the overarching theme of temptation. It's funny because if you look up the second Inkigayo stage on YouTube, the title literally starts with the word SEXY in all caps in parentheses. They
1: spell it out for you. Yeah. (laughs) In case you misinterpret anything. Yep.
0: (laughs) Uh, So we have hip thrusting, crotch grabbing, lip touching, all topped off with very serious sensual expressions. The members run their hands up their torsos, Yoongi's fingers crawl towards Taehyung's neck, and there are multiple instances where the boys either cover their own eyes or each other's eyes, especially in the final bridge. Perhaps symbolizing a type of shame? Yeah, like they know what they're doing is wrong. Which just makes everything that much more erotic. I want
1: to briefly talk about Taehyung. I know he's my bias. People might know that by now. Taehyung's acting in Blood, Sweat & Tears Walked, so that his acting on the Singularity live stage could run. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we definitely get the early beginnings of actor Taehyung, to put it PG. Right. You know, he did act in Huarang later that year, so it makes sense. He started, you know,
1: nourishing Yeah,
0: getting those juices flowing during the Wings comeback. Uh, but yeah, he really comes through with uh, the bedroom eyes, as we mentioned earlier. Exactly. Now
1: in 2019, we have him making love to a coat hanger mm-hmm. on stage. So it's a nice little fluid progression. Mm-hmm, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Something to emphasize all of this too is the camera work. We're often given longer close-ups and single shots of the members that showcase their expression and smaller movements in the choreography such as Young rubbing his thumb against his lip.
0: In multiple stages, the more explicit moves are given their own close-ups as well. The first comeback stage on M Countdown showcases all of this, and also features a very cool tracking shot during the final bridge that begins with Yoongi and Hoseok's hands on Young's neck. It's an instance where the camera work and choreography are intertwined, something we've brought up when discussing other choreographies in the past. The camera places itself amongst the members, giving us depth, And also allowing for an almost optical illusion when Jungkook and Jin switch places. You can see how this effect is lessened when different shots are introduced in this break or when we see it from different angles, but with the right camera work it's mind-bending and really fun.
1: One last thing about the choreo, there are moments when the members quickly pose looking almost like the statues they are situated amongst. I feel like if you were to pause these live stages at any moment you'd be left with a really impressive still.
0: This is something we also feel for the music video, which randomly reminds me of a movie from the 1970s called Barry Lyndon, directed by Stanley Kubrick. Not to flex my film degree... Once again. (laughs) But this movie is basically set in 1850s Great Britain, and it follows, like, this British lord who gets in a duel with some guy. It's a very random movie, but it was an innovation in cinematography for a lot of different reasons, and because it was set during this time period, uh, every shot in the movie looks like a painting and it's beautiful and i was just reminded of it you know not to say that bang pd saw barry linden and was like oh my gosh here's wings the idea was created (laughs) knowing bang pd though he might i know honestly (laughs) but i just think it's really cool that these ideas and these like ways of using cinematography to like convey other mediums of art have been around before and that bts are like tapping into that and using it to their advantage with blood sweat and tears so, up to this point
1: in BTS's career, Wings is the most complete and cohesive album. It's very self contained in the sense that it didn't really extend into future releases, besides the uh, You Never Walk Alone repackage. It was an era that only required one album, and in this sense, they showed
0: restraint. I also think that this fact elevates the album to something higher than any of their other works. Not to say that Wings is better like better produced or better musically than their other works but it definitely stands alone
1: she's different
0: yeah she yeah is.
1: for an album to do so much but still be so contained shows the strength of the album mm-hmm. like the other things that bts have done it's cool because they're so multifaceted and they use a lot of different um mediums to express their idea but at the end of the day the fact that they were able to do all of that with just basically this very contained moment in their career is very impressive yeah it shows like a a high level of artistic integrity exactly so going into the music specifically we are big fans of the track list we're not going to go song by song because that is an episode on its own but we will discuss our favorites
0: actually we have an episode coming out in a couple of weeks discussing our top seven bts songs and spoiler alert blood sweat and tears is on that list so just hang out for a little bit longer and you will get to hear our thoughts on that song but we do have other favorites in this album
1: yeah something to note about the track list is that for the first time we get solo songs yep which is really exciting especially because jungkook's solo song begin is one of my all-time favorites ever not just of the solo songs that they've ever released but of any song i I feel like it's the best
0: solo song. Ooh, <laughs> I do. I really do, and I feel like it gets overshadowed sometimes by I don't know. Just from other songs, like I see at least on my you know corner of the internet, I see a lot of talk around first love Yoongi's song. I see a lot of talk around Mama by J Hope, but not a lot on Begin. Like, right. There was a moment where we were a little angry about that because there was a lot of memes around Begin, but not a lot of like compliments.
1: Right, and the memes stemmed from the choreography, which is. Not necessarily relevant to his discussion, but the choreography is awesome. Yeah, it is. And it enhances what the song does, which is basically provide a really danceable, kind of chill, mixed genre song. It's sort of R&B. It's sort of pop. But the mood is so interesting for Junko because he's somebody who either does screamo from (laughs) 2014 or he does super EDM pop. Mm-hmm. So Begin, for me, was a, a nice breath of fresh air for Jungkook, and I really like it.
0: Yeah, the guitar in it is my favorite part, the...
1: <laughs> wow, where'd you get this guitar from? <laughs> oh, wait, it's your mouth?
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm really talented. Um, but yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I love the guitar in that song. It's so delicate yeah. and, like, beautiful. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I want to talk about Mama by J-Hope actually uh i do think it's another one of the stronger solo songs and it's a very wholesome song both in the lyrics and i think in even like the musical delivery it's one of those songs though it's really hard for me to like separate seeing it live and hearing it just like at home for sure because i it's like one of those moments where i realized that hosok is an amazing singer we had gotten instances of his singing in like dark and wild tracks but He's like belting towards the end of this song, and it—he's carrying this song on his back.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's impressive, (laughs) especially considering he's a member of Rapline, quote unquote. He delivers as a vocalist. To me it was so I keep saying the word impressive, but it was not something that I expected or even thought that I
0: wanted from J-Hope. I also want to say it was really exciting at the time to get solo songs that were so varied in genre. Um, we had, you know, Stigma by Tay, which was like a jazzy, kind Soul. of soulful ballad, I suppose. Uh, we had a more traditional ballad from Jin. We had the blended genre songs from both Hobie and Jungkook. And then we had Lie by Jimin, which is like whatever genre Britney Spears is, <laughs> like whatever genre toxic like dramatic by Britney Spears. pop star yeah. genre. <laughs> Who can dance? Yeah. I'm like waiting for that. From Jimin again, we haven't we haven't gotten that yet. Promise was cute, but I need Britney Spears to come exactly. back. Exactly, <laughs> I feel like we got a little taste of it in like I'm so fine wherever I go in Idol. That oh, line, yeah. like in the bridge in Idol, but um, he needs to come back. Britney Spears, Park
1: Jimin. Mm -hmm.
0: Britney, Park,
1: Jimin Spears. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Come back. Uh, Let me see. I also think it's funny that we said we weren't going to go track by track, but we've at least (laughs) already mentioned half of them. It's just so good. Oh, okay. One last thing about the solo songs. Um, This is the birth of indie synth lover namjoon oh yes which not to tease
1: yet another episode we will be talking about mono his um mixtape in the future yes which is the the natural next step for this synth loving namjoon
0: yes okay moving past the solo songs we're gonna get into something i would describe as dangerous waters if you are on the internet if you are participating in this fandom you have seen this debate between the different ciphers and which one is the best and we are here to say without a doubt i want to say this almost objectively not even yes. like this isn't my opinion this is an objective fact cipher part four is the best cipher mic drop and the episode ends thank you so much yeah. i know <laughs> we're like gonna continue singing. 30 people like just closed the app because <laughs> we have our
1: rating just dropped to one star <laughs>
0: No, I stand by it, though. I understand why people think Cypher Part 3 and even Cypher Part 2 could be better songs. You know, we have the iconic Jungi verse in Cypher Part 2 where he, like, I don't even Pops know how... a
1: vein. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just
0: kidding. Uh, you know, where he raps however many words per minute. It's insane. We have Cypher Part 3, which is very, like, you know, murder music, if you will. It's very aggressive. I can see it as a way to get people hyped up. It's a very complex song. Yeah. Uh, But to me, Cypher Part 4, in terms of production quality, it just stands out amongst all of these. Like Cypher Part 3 and Cypher Part 2, the raps are well delivered, but the music is not as well produced as Cypher Part 4. And it's worth noting the credits of Cypher Part 4 when having this discussion. Because, not to make it a big deal, but it is a big deal. Chris Tricky Stewart produced and wrote Cypher Part 4. Now, you're probably wondering, who the hell is Tricky Stewart? Well, he's only a five-time Grammy Award winner who has worked with artists such as...
1: If you're standing, sit
0: down. (laughs) I'm just going to list some songs that he's worked on, and you tell me if he's important or not. Single Ladies, Umbrella, and Baby, as in the songs by Beyoncé, Rihanna, and Justin Bieber.
1: So essentially songs that shaped the
0: generation? Yeah, basically. This man produced Cypher for...
1: And people still have the audacity to debate this.
0: Yeah. To question Cypher Part 4's place in this list.
1: There's something so, um, what's the word? Like hype about it? Like hype-beasty? I feel like it's like that underlying synth. Da, dun,
0: dun, mm-hmm. dun. That's so legit. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's very modern, too. I feel like it fits really well in like today wary yeah, as i feel like cypher part two and cypher part three kind of exist outside of time or i feel those like those are very like traditional hip-hop songs yeah yeah yeah
1: which is cool and i obviously love hip-hop but i also feel like those songs tend to be all over the place mm-hmm. which could be a cup of tea but when i listen to a song i like for it to be cohesive that's something that's recurring in our podcast we like for songs to be cohesive mm-hmm. and cypher four is hip-hop is a little even of trap yeah and it's still cohesive which is what makes it so impressive agreed so yeah to wrap it up
0: cyber part four is better
1: if you disagree <laughs> listen to it you know with a open heart and ears yeah a gold chain around your neck maybe. <laughs> <laughs> a beer in your hand and let us know what you think if we were able to change your mind or not we'd like to hear
0: yeah Moving on, we actually do want to stop in our tracks for a sec and direct your attention to a special song whose life in the spotlight was quite short-lived. Get ready for an Am I, I wrong, wrong Tangent.
1: Many might not know this, but the Am I Wrong guitar melody is a straight-up sample. What you're hearing is the original Am I Wrong by Keb Moe from 1994. Keb Moe, also known as
0: Kevin Moore, co-wrote and co-produced BTS's song as well. It makes us wonder like how that conversation went. Who approached who, you know? It's like it's just fun to imagine one of Big Hit's producers pitching a blues song as a potential sample.
1: I'm imagining Adora like at 2 AM knocking on Bang PD's door and being like Do you have a moment to talk about uh, blues? (laughs) Do you like um, country music? Do you think blues has a place in (laughs) K-pop? It's honestly uh, revolutionary. Yeah. This is the very first time BTS have sampled another song in their entire official discography. And they chose an American blues
0: song. So, the lyrics of the original AM I WRONG concern a somewhat scandalous love affair, where the speaker falls for someone who is already in a relationship with a man who is unfaithful. In the BTS rendition of the song, the cheating man becomes THE man, as in, the government, or more generically, the system.
1: Here are some lyrics performed by Namjoon. If what you see on the news is nothing to you, if that comment is nothing to you, If that hatred is nothing to you, you're not normal. You're
0: abnormal. The deliveries of these lines are dramatic and even scandalized, which makes the song that much more dynamic. It balances out the bleak message, which takes the tone of the young adult who is critical, but unable to enact much change. It's a very millennial point of view, which is further emphasized by a change in the song's direction towards the end, with Jimin singing, Though I walk this crazy world's path, I still want to live longer. I want to find it my faith. The
1: choreography includes a variety of gestures and movements, some seem to make direct references to Korean politics, while others directly act out the words in the song. For example, they shake their heads during the line going crazy and mouth the words during oh my god, or shrugging their shoulders during the repetition of oh why. It's a song where the
0: choreography is in direct conversation with the lyrics. An example of things getting political is in Yoongi's line, where all dogs, pigs, become dogs because we're angry. Although Big Hit never confirmed this, many believe this is a reference to a political scandal that happened in Korea the summer of 2016, when the head of the Education Ministry's Policy Bureau said that 99% of South Korean citizens are like dogs and pigs, meaning that they are unable to move up in the world and therefore can be treated like animals by simply being fed and kept alive. Oof these are some pretty heavy words and possibly a heavy reference if we're to believe that this is what bts are talking about. in the choreography this lyric comes to life with Jungi standing over the rest of bts who are in front of him on their hands and knees making Yungi out to look like some kind of ruler.
1: a more lighthearted example that critiques global society can be seen if we go back to namjoon's line about the news that we mentioned earlier. if you look at the choreography The members mime scrolling on their phones with expressions of apathy, something that I think anyone living today can see and understand. If you want to see this, check out the show
0: music core stage. Looking past all of these references, the movements are sharp, evoking a type of swing dance reminiscent of movie musicals set in the 1960s like Hairspray, or just theater in general. It's emphatic and energetic, with large emphasis on facial expressions and grandiose gesticulations. And when you pair it with the lyrics, it gives the whole performance a satirical kind of tone. It reminds me of Go-Go and even Silver Spoon, but here it feels a bit more biting, like a direct hit towards politics, news outlets, and society at large.
1: This 1960s image is furthered even more by their wardrobe, which includes colorful, form-fitting suits with the occasional patterned shirts. The suits are vibrant and often paired with shirts of contrasting colors, which adds to the energetic delivery
0: of what is otherwise
1: a dire message.
0: A great stage to look at to get this full picture is the first M Countdown stage. I definitely recommend watching the 4K MPD of this performance too, and slowing it down during Jimin's line, I Want to Find It My Faith, before the final chorus. One, Jimin does an amazing move with his entire body that is worth appreciating, and two, this is a point where the song really picks up and gets a little crazy, and you can see the members falling into chaotic, seemingly freestyle movements behind him. It looks insane, and as a full dance sequence, it's really impressive. So check it out.
1: And if you're having trouble remembering what part of the song that is, that's basically when Jimin hits his high note. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's amazing. It's amazing. Not only sonically, but also in the choreography. Mm-hmm.
0: So, that was Wings. Yay! Yay! Some of you may be wondering, Natalie, Yadi, Map of the Soul Persona literally came out three days ago. Why are you talking about an album that is years old? What type of blast to the past is this? And basically the reason for it is that we don't operate on BTS's schedule. If we did, we would have to release an episode every 24 hours. So
1: We wrote this episode a month or two ago and we are so excited to finally release it. Yes, as
0: you can see, we are huge fans of the era and had a fun time dissecting it.
1: But we do have some lingering questions. Questions that we want to raise now after spending time laying out the various aspects of Wings. As
0: we mentioned earlier on in the episode, we do believe that the jump from the most beautiful moment in life era into Wings era was graceful. And that the introduction of these new concepts of temptation, adulthood, evil, societal pressures, etc. made sense because Big Hit and BTS treated it as the natural progression towards adulthood. But how about what came after Wings? The glimpses into Love Yourself came into the track list with Reflection and Cypher Part 4. But is the link between Wings and Love Yourself otherwise a little forced?
1: And we say Cypher Part 4 because in the chorus, it's uh, I love, I love myself. And in Reflection, it's I
0: wish I could love myself.
1: And we ask this because what comes after wings is quick and packed with new concepts and ideas. For instance, the highlight reels. Why are they called the Love Yourself highlight reels if it's about the most beautiful moment in life storyline?
0: And now in 2019, we've received new additions to this universe through the release of the Webtoon and Smeralda books. There's even a new set of HYYH notes that come with BTS's latest mini-album, Map of the Soul Persona, which is proof that the storylines that came before and after Wings are now entering this new era.
1: So then what about Wings? What about the boys who are grappling with temptation? Where are they now? Or was the true function of Wings to show that BTS are capable of executing this type of dark concept in the first place?
0: When we were first writing this episode, we kept asking ourselves, where does the Most Beautiful Moment in Life storyline live? And since then, we've seen the release of the webtoons and the closing of the Love Yourself series. It's becoming clear then that Wings was an exercise on creative liberty. By this, we mean that the strict departure from the Most Beautiful Moment in Life storyline within the album allowed BTS to consider other avenues of expression. So while they're dealing with the Wings-era themes of temptation and evil, the HYYH storyline was allowed to live elsewhere. A good indication of that is with the release of the Blood, Sweat, and Tears Japanese music video, uh, we get this return to the most beautiful moment in life, like, at the end. It's the infamous gas station scene where Namjoon and Jin interact, and we get the phrase HYYH forever, which I think just kind of goes to show that, like, wings was a departure from that idea or that specific storyline even if the comeback teasers for wings do tie into it and are continued in love yourself i think they're just more like a mechanism to keep things in a straight line instead of something that's more graceful
1: maybe yeah exactly the album is kind of like a rupture yeah and they had to physically drop in that scene at the end of the music video to remind fans and like it's like a trigger for us to be remembered that hey there's still this happening in the background
0: yeah there's a million ways you could connect like wings as an album because that's what we're talking about here like wings as the album itself uh there's plenty of ways you can connect these songs to these storylines but for us, it exists on its own.
1: It's pretty interesting stuff, and it goes to show how big exactly BTS's creative scope is, even way back in 2016. And obviously Korea was receptive to this creativity because like we mentioned earlier, it was during this time that they began to win the big awards and be recognized as one of the big names in K-pop.
0: I wanted to try a little thought experiment and ask the question, what if wings never existed? Oh. Oh, wow. (laughs) What if Wings as an album, as a concept, was not what BTS released in October of 2016? What if it was a completely different album? Would BTS be where they are today in terms of their fame?
1: I feel like so much of their success at this point is about timing. Mm -hmm. And... You know, they had already started gaining recognition after I Need You, which was in The Most Beautiful Moment in Life, Part 1. And so with that rise, there's more people paying attention, but it's one thing to have people pay attention and another thing to have people stay. And recognize you as having artistic merit. Exactly. So I feel like that is a good thought experiment because it then has this wondering, is it wings then that put them where they are today? Is it that
0: crucial? i think it is i think wings is that crucial to bts's career i do think that without it they would not be as famous as they are today and i think that wings served as like like the first domino to fall or like a catalyst Mm -hmm. that propelled bts to a high level of fame and recognition in korea which then led to a higher recognition globally, which Mm. then led to the Billboard Music Awards Top Social Artist nomination, which then led to everything else. Wow,
1: it really is a domino effect. And I feel like you can see it too with Burn the Stage. The docu-series on YouTube was tracking the Wings tour, and it was the few months that came after the release
0: of Wings. If you were unsure before, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) it argues itself. We talked about this earlier in the episode, how Wings overall was a major level up for bts and i don't think that without wings the production quality would have remained the same like i do think regardless of what album they you know hypothetically would have released in october 2016 it would have been high quality And they would have had that money to put on a better tour and just have everything be of a higher quality. But I do think that the risk they took with Wings by exploring this darker, sexy concept through the use of literature um, with the book by Hermann Hesse. It
1: propels them, right? And it it has them stand apart a little bit. Because something we do want to mention also is that we do recognize that K-pop albums are highly conceptual on principle, but with something like Wings, we see an example of the concept pulling and referencing literature and other moments in cultural history that ground this album and
0: have it participate in a grander cultural narrative. Yeah, I mean, in that sense, it's like you have like two concepts at once. You have like the general themes of temptation and this, this and that, but then you have another level of like the references to this book where these themes are like derived from. So like Wings could have existed without Demi and they could have chose to go on this route without having the book be in play at all, but the fact that they made the choice to include it and not just cite it as inspiration adds a whole new layer to the album and I think adds a level of sophistication that otherwise would not have been there.
1: I like the word sophistication for this album because I think it points to then the level of thought and research that went into it. Because that's essentially what makes something sophisticated, it's that it's in conversation with other things. And, you know, going back to the Wings concept book, if there is a doubt still, there's always that exhibition type catalog. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. That does, you know,
0: act as a sort of um, research tool for us. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, to like wrap up that idea, I think Wings is as important an album to BTS's career as Love Yourself Her or Love Yourself Tear. And that without it, we wouldn't have what we have today. Facts. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, that was our episode on the Wings comeback. We hope you enjoyed. Uh, Feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on SoundCloud or on our Twitter or send us an email. We have a lot of ways you can <laughs> show us. Or on Instagram. Yes, yeah. Instagram too. We're trying
1: to be more active on there. So if you're an Instagram person, please follow us at Bangtown Podcast. We update our story and we post more behind-the-scenes content of the episode
0: writing process. Yes, there are plenty of ways to leave us feedback, so just feel free to choose whichever one works best for you. Um, We're
1: giving you options. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, speaking of things you could do for us, we... (laughs) (laughs) Nice segue, Yadi. Thank you, Natalie.
1: We still have our Ko-Fi account and we've updated it to
0: um, reflect a new goal that we have.
1: Yes. Mainly for newer, better equipment.
0: Yes, we... As you can tell, are very passionate about this project we have and want it to be the best it can be, um, which costs money. So mm. we're hoping to buy a new microphone eventually so that the audio quality can be better. So if you have a couple of bucks and want to donate, feel free to stop by our Ko-Fi account. Stay tuned for our episode on shipping within the fandom that will be out in two weeks. Thank you for listening. Bye! Bye! Bye!